welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinson, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. What's going on today in this today one today? Well, here in this today one today, mm-hmm. I don't really know what much is going on. Great. Today we're talking about how church is on TV. Mm-hmm. And just up top, go to our Patreon, five bucks, smash all the buttons around the videos and the, and the things, and not the down thumb one. Um, today we're talking about church on TV, and then we're going to get into things past TV and church being there and whether that's a good idea or not. And Joseph's going to tell me what he thinks, and I'm going to think whatever I want. <laughs> that's the way it usually goes. <laughs> so first question, when was the first church put on TV, and who were they, and how did anyone allow them to get on TV? And create the worst industry of people ever (laughs) okay well to answer your question so first there were like tv shows right that were in the like 1950s and they would have been shows of like sermons or crusades of popular pastors um Oral Roberts is probably the most well-known of this group. I'm not going to know who any of these people are. Well, okay. But there will be people that do. I'm just trying to give you some information, Nate. That's all I'm trying to do. And so, um, yes, Oral Roberts is probably the most well-known from this time period. So, again, at first it was just like a segment on TV, just like they would have when they would have on radio. You know, he would Mm -hmm. – Oral Roberts was doing radio shows, so now – once the kind of TV got going, then it was, all right, let's also put him on TV now. And then from there, 1960, Christian Broadcasting Network, uh, a lot of people know it as CBN, was founded by Pat Robertson, and that was the nation's first Christian TV station. Okay. So like where the whole, where, you know, so they had their own station, so all episodes were built around Christian values. Was it like actual, like did they do actual TV on there, like st- storyline to stuff, or was it all Christian talking heads? It, no, it was a combination of both. Okay. Yeah, combination of both. And then CBN was the first basic TV cable network station. Yes, yeah, so that was kind of the movement, progression of churches and pastors and everything being on TV. And then, of course, then with Robertson establishing his own TV station, opened up a whole new, really, genre of ways for churches and ministers to present their message. You know, it's a whole new form of communication at that point. Okay, so the only two church TV people that I can think of off the top of my head Uh are... Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen. Okay. And neither of them just know to them. <laughs> no to them. Every time they say anything on television, it's a, it's a no for me. Okay. <laughs> Is there a reason that it's a no for you? Because they act like they are Jesus. Okay. And they're not. No, they're not. Because Jesus was never on TV. <laughs> That's true. Jesus if was Jesus never on was TV. If Jesus was on TV, we might maybe would believe it a little more, but right. probably not, like right. you said before. Yeah. So, so in my yeah. So what what is your opinion on TV preachers today and should we just nuke the whole industry and start over? <laughs> right. So all right. Or you want my opinion of just like these two people in particular or like just the broader shit? You can do both. <laughs> oh Lord. All right. So <laughs> All right, of these two in particular, Meyer is probably a little better off than Osteen in terms of listening to. And but the problem with Osteen and with a lot of individuals that are on these, you know, Christian TV stations. Oh, I know of another one. Christian okay. Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley. Okay. So let me put Stanley aside in his own category for a okay. little bit, okay? But a lot of them that are on TV, I'll put, so let me do this. Let me put Andy and his dad, Charles. I'm going right. to move them to the ones to one side. Um, a lot of them on TV are unfortunately preaching a prosperity gospel. And and, okay. and so by that, I just mean they're saying that, hey, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, you should have wealth and you should have health. 
That's what they kind of mean. That's what I mean when I say prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. So you should you should all you should always be wealthy, and you should always be healthy. That's kind of their presentation of the gospel. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Um, and of course, following in line with that is, and if you want to really make sure that you're healthy and that you're wealthy, give to us. Right. The number to call. Right. To right. call right to, to give money is to quote, always on to the quote unquote screen. give your seed donation right. right so you know that here's you know if you if you give thousand dollars right now God is going to do X Y and Z for you and that's just manipulation mm-hmm. um, and so you know when I start listening to a lot of them there's the prosperity gospel there's the self help content and to be honest with you like one of the things that bothers me probably to the to an nth degree is not only their message, but the way they're living. So with, with just coming these exuberant lifestyles of houses and planes and cars and the way they dress and everything else. Right. They got to prove their point. Yeah. And that's what, that is actually what they're doing. Okay. There is actually a point of, Hey, if you are, if, if you live like I do, you give quote unquote, like I do, you will have what I have. And that is what they're trying to present. And so I feel like it's just for a lot of them, I mean, it's just the very antithesis of anything that Jesus taught Mm. in any way in which Jesus lived. And so it just, yeah, it absolutely drives me crazy. So I'm not saying we nuke the whole industry, but I am saying that we raise up red flags and wave them and say, yeah, don't listen to these people. So um, CBN, how what percentage is good that that is on TV? Man, I don't know. And there's other broadcasting networks too. Like there's Trinity Broadcasting Network, uh, TBN, and so I might have heard of that one. Yes, yeah, so there's CBN, there's TBN. Um, man, I don't know. I don't listen. Like I can't even tell you the last time I watched their stuff. Um, yeah, because it's terrible. Yeah, because it is terrible. Okay, um, so nuke it. <laughs> I'm not saying nuke it. But I mean, I'm, not murder people. Right. But, like, but yeah, let's, I mean, but if we wanted to just unplug the building, if we wanted to end it, I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not um, crying any tears over ending those two networks. Okay. But, and, but let me say this also, do I also think that, that there's some redeemable parts within them? Mm. Yeah. But I think as a whole, so I don't want to be like, mm. I don't want to be like shouted at like, well, what about this over here? Like, I do think there's probably redeemable parts within it, but as a whole, it's just that the televangelist movement has shifted so far to prosperity gospel. That's the bothersome part for me, and mm-hmm. that's and that's why I said let's put the Stanleys kind of in a separate category because they're not promoting a prosperity gospel. Are they not? Mm-mm, they're not. Okay. And 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 Charles in particular is. I mean, he teaches the word. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think all is bad. I, I just, but there is a lot that's bad. So I think we just have to be very careful with what we consume. So if you're listening to this and you have Christian Broadcasting Network on your television right now, flip over to MTV. That's better. <laughs> I definitely did not say that. Okay, <laughs> no. that's what I heard the whole time. <laughs> as a not these stations, but okay. as a concept, mm-hmm. should church or preaching or Christians ever be on TV? Again, I do think that there's some legitimate value to why churches or ministers should be on TV in the sense that of spreading the gospel. Okay. So I do think there's actually like a legitimate reason for churches and ministers to be on TV for, for spreading the gospel's sake. You know, I, I know an individual that came to know Christ in his teens and and then served as a pastor for has served as a pastor for over you know three decades. He came to know Christ through watching a Billy Graham crusade on TV. What is a Billy Graham crusade? Okay. Was yeah. it killing people on TV? <laughs> Not that kind of crusade. Oh. Yeah. So Billy Graham in the 1900s was really the most well-known and for the most part, well-liked 
pastor in America. He was known as America's pastor. That's the label that he had. Okay. Um, and Billy Graham was one of those individuals. He preached a very similar message all the time. It was very much a an evangelistic message of come to know Jesus. Like it was mm-hmm. very much a salvation type message. He never was um, caught up in any scandals or anything like that. Um, Come on now. And uh, and so he legitimately seemed to be on the up and up on, on all the things that he was doing. Mm. And he's highly revered, but he was but he was do these crusades. By crusades, I mean he would go into a town and they would have a large, you know, stadium type gathering of individuals um, or to do a a stadium gathering where they would have worship and his teaching. And the whole goal was to bring people like it was basically encouraging Christians to bring friends or neighbors with them to the crusade who who did not know Jesus already Mm -hmm. and let them hear Billy preach the message. Okay. So that was kind of the whole gist of it. So they'd film those and put them on TV. Yeah, they would film those and put them on TV. Okay. Yep. And so... Live? Eventually live. Okay. But a lot of times back then they were recorded and then put on TV at a mm. latter point. That's like a, a positive of, you know, Christians using TV, mm. church using TV. Um, and so I do think there is, yeah, there's positive parts. Um, so it's not completely just all terrible. So what would you do to fix it? Like, if you could go fix it, what would you do? If I could just go fix it, like, yeah. what would I do? If you were the CEO tomorrow, right? Of one of these church networks, TV, church TV, <laughs> yeah. And like, and there's other, you know, I mean, you have God TV, and there's a lot oh, of other yeah. TV, you know, that. stations. Um, and so, so some of them are good. Like God TV, I think is pretty good, uh, from what I understand. Again, I don't watch a lot of it myself either. Um, but, Which God? Hmm? Which God? <laughs> Okay. In this case, God TV is actually the God of that Christians follow. Okay. So, you know, I think so much of it, Nate, is that it's like I, you could go fix the system, but it's the people that are getting involved in the system that become the problem eventually. Okay. And so what I mean by that is that I think one of the cons to what's happened in the church TV world is the celebrity status that people achieve because of it or that other ministers begin to aspire to and want. And the fact that there are Christians who are actually considered celebrity is absolutely insane to me. So do you think in regular life as a whole, there shouldn't be celebrities? In regular life as a whole, there shouldn't be celebrities. No. I don't okay. think they're like, in other words, do I think that there shouldn't be that? No, I'm a, I mean, I'm completely okay with the fact that there's celebrities. But you don't think pastors should be aspiring to celebrity status? Correct. Okay. That's where I think. Specifically. The, it, that's right. The okay. pastors aspiring to it is the problem. Okay. Right. Billy Graham was a celebrity in the sense of so many people knew who he was, but I don't think that was his aspiration. Okay, and I think that's where some of this has gone really awry. And this is, you know, obviously this is not just found in TV world, but any form of mass communication. If if my heart is that I want to aspire to this celebrity type status recognition, right? That to me is again going against everything that Jesus Himself was about. Okay. And doing. And so, because so, Jesus became kind of a celebrity, even though that wasn't the point. Right. But yeah, I mean, but think about it. So he came as a servant, mm-hmm. right? So, like, he was God. And so we got to kind of almost put it in context. He, he has people all over the earth worshiping him, and he's dropped down into a small geographical area. And he takes on the form of a man. He's a servant. He has humility. And he's not looking to gain status. That's not like he's not looking to be like loved and adored by all. I mean, yes, there's the people, the crowds that do gather around him and think he's incredible and wonderful. But he's constantly being bombarded by the 
by the Pharisees and those that hate him. But then later on in his ministry... Haters gonna hate. (laughs) Yes. But later on in his ministry, the same people that thought he was great start abandoning him and leaving because they think his teachings are becoming too difficult and too hard. So they begin to abandon him. And then eventually by the time he's nailed to a cross, almost everyone that was in his circle that he loved, that was with him, almost all of them were gone. And so, I mean, even the disciples, right? The only one that we know of that was there at the cross was John. Everyone, yeah, everyone else was too scared to even be around him. Because they thought they were going to get killed also. Correct, for being associated with Jesus. Okay. So John was the only one that we, it's recorded in Scripture, that we know of that was actually there at the cross. That, That was, like, so Jesus' aspiration was never to become this earthly celebrity. He's God, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's God. He's creator of the cosmos, and he comes down to this small little geographical space, right? He's got angelic beings worshiping him continually, and he comes down to this. <laughs> mm-hmm. He comes down to earth and lives on this small ge- I mean, like, he was doing the exact opposite of aspiring to celebrity status, right? He's, I mean... He's he's downgrading himself mm. <laughs> significantly. He did the same thing when he came to America. <laughs> Jesus did not come to America, Nate. <laughs> oh Lord! All right, we're not having that discussion right now. All right, so, fine. <laughs> so um, I think that the, the problem with the aspiration, right, is that the problem with the aspiration or the or the motive of wanting to be on TV or to be recognized, to be seen, to have celebrity kind of status attached to them, right? Is the issue, is the problem. And that's what I'm saying. You can fix systems and structures, but it's hard to know what's in people's hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, again, I'm not saying that having a TV station that's Christian is bad or wrong. I'm just saying it just just has to be really careful of what's being put on there. I wish they would make more shows instead of talking Jesus heads. Yeah, and I I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Like yeah. You, if you're gonna you run would, a network, make shows. Right. Now I agree with you. You would think that with all the creativity that there is, that we could have some legitimately good T V shows. Right. That actually, you know, held Christian values. Mm. And the fact that those are they almost are just non existent. And so the fact that that's the case is just a sad state. But yeah, so I, I'm not I'm not over here trying to kill people that are on TV or kill the whole idea. I'm just saying it's just tricky, and that the ones that are there aren't always the best examples of Jesus. Past TV, every every single church is putting all of their cr- Christian content on the internet and on Facebook. And, <laughs> a lot are. You're right, and they don't know how to do it. <laughs> and all of it's te- all of it's bad, <laughs> except for the people that because I've looked into this. Except for the people that buy those ten thousand dollar rotating cameras that you can control from the back room, right? right. That swivel and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you don't buy those, then what you've got on Facebook is bad. <laughs> so everyone's doing that. What do you think about that? Should yeah. church be? Should should every church be doing that? Because it kind of seems to me that you're just going to make people not come and not care anymore. All right. Let me give you an example. All right. Our little church or we're a, the church I pastor is a, is, a, is a smaller rural church. We have our services on Facebook Live. We literally use my phone. It's on a tripod ran by a teenager. Okay. And is the quality anything to write home about? Absolutely not. It isn't. <laughs> like it's it's if you're talking about like production grade quality, we do not have that. So then the question is, why are you doing it? Okay. What is the purpose of you having your service live streamed on Facebook using a phone on a little tripod stand? Well, I'm not necessarily asking in that context. Yeah, but no, but let me answer the question. Yeah, okay. Because I think it goes to the whole the whole deal. Okay. So let me get there. All right. So 
the reason that we do it, okay, the reason that we do it, and by the way, the, all right, I'm going to back up a little bit. So I'm interjecting something in here. So much of this, of like where every church seems to be on Facebook now, so much of this started with the pandemic. Right. Right. So yes, you had churches that were live streaming beforehand, but not near the number that mm. you've got now. I mean, like COVID launched this whole enterprise for the most part. And so because churches wanted to be able to put out content on a weekly basis for their congregants to stay connected with the church, mm. right? And that is still the reason that we're doing what we do today. Because everyone still has COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for the purpose of our congregants who can't make it to church on Sunday. So our target audience is not anyone other than those that are already connected with our church family. Now, I'm not saying others don't watch it. It's fine if they do. But what I'm saying is our goal is for those that are, because we are a small rural church who have elderly people that simply cannot make it here every week. We want them to stay connected to our church, to church family, to church life, mm -hmm. to what's going on here on Sunday mornings. This is a way that they can, and it's and it's pretty amazing because you're thinking, well, if they're older, they probably don't know how to use Facebook anyway. Everybody knows how to use Facebook, it seems like. They're able to get online. Until their account gets hacked. Until their account gets hacked, everything goes haywire. Right. <laughs> and, but... They're able to get online and, you know, on Facebook and watch the service. And for me as a pastor, it's awesome because I can actually call those people during the week. And and when I'm talking to them, they'll bring up things that happened during the service because they were able to watch it. Mm. And it allows me as a pastor to pastor them more effectively. Okay. And they feel more connected in. So whether it's because of age or whether it's because of sickness or I mean, even those that are just out of town that want to—they're out of town for a weekend because they're visiting their grandkids or on their own vacation or whatever the reason may be—and they can still stay connected with us. So, for us, the value of live streaming is found in being able to care for our flock and provide provide this for our our, our congregation. When I say flock, I mean congregation. I think where where it all completely just goes insane is where it's like, all right, well, now we've got to, our, we want to be seen or known in this highly production-oriented way. And okay. so where it's like, all right, we're going to have this massive production team. We're going to spend a truckload of money for cameras and everything else. And we're going to try to put out a high-quality service. When, when, when churches are doing that, my question is, why? Why are you investing so much money into in resources and time and energy into creating something that is you know, going to be live-streamed and that kind of thing? Like, why? What's the purpose behind it? Because you don't need high production quality for your members to stay engaged. They're going to stay engaged regardless because they're not, it's the, the quality is not the issue for them. You got to spend the money somewhere for tax purposes. <laughs> Churches don't have to. Okay. You're right. Yeah. So, so the question you is, can't so, just have money sit in the bank. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. So let's use it for better stuff than this. I guess <laughs> is what I'm getting to, but like, but for, but what is the reason behind it? Like, to ask the question of why are we doing this? Mm. And I think most ministers and staff individuals and maybe even some congregants would answer the question of, well, we want to produce something that would be, quote unquote, attractive to individuals that would watch our services who do not yet know Jesus. Mm. I guess my counter to that is they're not watching your shows. They're not or they're not watching what you're putting out there. Mm. If they don't know Jesus, they're not watching it. They're hungover. <laughs> or, or, or whatever. They don't care enough. Yeah. And because 
the reality is, we've had this conversation before, the reality is if the first thing that a non-Christian is exposed to is the, is the one, the production quality is as good as some people may think it is, it's still not that great. Nope. Then you listen to music, and as good as Christians think it is, to the non-Christian, it's still not that great. I mean, am I being right? You're right. And and then we get to a crafted message, and the the individual may be a good communicator, but by that point, are they even listening anymore, mm. watching anymore? And if they are, do they even care what you have to say? And in two clicks, I could be on Netflix watching something way better on my phone. Yeah. And I just, so my point is, and I'm not trying to dog churches that want to reach people. My, my, here's my thing. I'm just questioning, but are we really doing that? And, and sometimes the argument will be as well, when we started this, now we are growing. Okay. You've gained more numbers. Who are those people? Are they new converts or are they people that watched your services and said, wow, that looks cooler than my church. I'm going there. So now all we've done is transferred people over. If you put together a sleek enough production, yes, you may draw people from other churches that are not doing that. Mm. But my, my point is, but what are we doing to really impact the kingdom? Like grow the kingdom? Right, to grow the kingdom. Because you don't think that's growing the kingdom? At all. You, really? Yeah. That's your... Okay. Yeah, for me, personally. Okay. Like, someone going from one church to another church is not growing the kingdom. I think we're giving people a cop-out for not doing personal evangelism and not making disciples. Putting church on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Yeah, because I think pastors and ministers can say, yeah, but our church is growing. They equate that of, therefore, we must be doing something right. Therefore, this production we're doing must be that right thing. And my question is, again, how many people are coming through that church, to your church through that medium that are actually getting saved, baptized, and becoming discipled? And you think that's next I, to zero? I think the numbers are really low. And you think that it's a net negative because churches and pastors and people are not evangelizing because they think that having their church on Facebook is good enough. Correct. Okay. Yep. I think they think that's a good enough form of evangelism. It's a good enough form of making disciples. And what I'm saying is I don't think it's even close to that. So what are, are there other things that church could be using Facebook or YouTube or mm -hmm. Twitter or whatever for that is improving the kingdom? We use, and again, we're just a small rural church, right? And so we use Facebook as an avenue to communicate to our people what's going on. If I can use, and by the way, I, I'm not sitting here saying we can't have, you can't record your service or can't do Facebook live stream and have it look kind of nice. I, I'm, not, I'm not over here destroying the whole concept, but I am saying I think we're investing way too much time, energy, and money into it. As a whole, as a in whole, the church in the, yeah, okay, I do, and and so because like if if someone came in our church and they're like, hey, I work with film, I've got a five thousand dollar, ten thousand dollar camera, and I would like to use it for your services, and it's a way I can serve here. Okay, cool, right? Like I'm not against that, right? Okay, but what I'm saying is when we are investing so much time, energy, and resources into creating this massive production. And then we also don't go do the other things. We're not preaching the gospel. We're not training our people how to do it. We're not making disciples. We're not training our people how to make disciples. When I just think the resources could be used in other means, in other ways, you know, or even just caring for those that are in need in our own community. And so I just think it's maybe a prioritizing. Like, in other words, and, and now I'm probably going to get really into it, but whatever. Church has become such a big business and where people are comparing themselves because they want to be the next big business. You know? They want to be the next big church. They want to be the next big church. And, I, and, I, and I, it breaks my heart because I, we're, we're so going away from what we're called to be, who we're called to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, our our little small little church over here is experiencing significant growth, and it's not because of flashy productions. 
Right, because your productions are sideways on Facebook. <laughs> they do end up sideways sometimes. And uh, it's not going to lie about that one. And um, I don't even and, know how you do that. <laughs> I don't either. I don't, I'm not doing it, so I don't know. You know, it's not because of production. That's kind of, it's just the grassroots things of building relationships, sharing Jesus, and making disciples. And I just feel like there's a way in which we can do that faithfully as a church, and, I, and I'll say in America, okay, let me just, we're just, let's put all this in the context of the church in America, mm-hmm. okay? So in the church in America, I just think that we can do, we can do a better job of reaching people and um, engaging our communities, not through big productions, but just the grassroots thing of doing what we were called to do. And so how can we use how can we use TV and that and social media to reach people probably with just really simple, I mean, messages of the gospel. And I, and I like actually what you said earlier about, you know, creating content that people may actually want to watch. Um, I just think we have to be honest about the quality of our content and especially the quality of our content compared, compared to the entertainment industry that we have. So we have, not so great microphones here on the one I heard this podcast. Right. Joseph and I are sitting across from each other in his office in right. the church with no sound equipment anywhere, which is why it sounds all echoey. And I edit this myself on Adobe Audition. So that's the uh that's the production that we're doing. Yep. And it works. Is that honest enough? That's honest. All right. Yeah, that's honest. And and so I don't think because I, I, I love what you're getting to, because it's like, all right, well, to what extent through all the platforms, right? And, you know, so whether it's Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or, you know, podcast, whatever, YouTube, whatever, like when we get into all these social media worlds, it's the same thing for me has to apply. It's like, we're not trying to be, I would hope the, the heart behind it is we're not trying to be social media celebrities mm-hmm. you know we're not trying to be social media stars we're just for me i'm just trying to put content out there for our, our own church that's our my whole drive for anything we do mm-hmm. it is just all right we want the church to to you know stay connected to know what's going on to know what's happening here's what's coming up here's our services and it's for our church family and if others want to read engage watch that's i mean great that's awesome but that's not that's not the goal, not the intent, is to have this massive audience with all these followers, right? When you kind of get into that social media world, I do think there is that idea of, all right, well, again, what is my goal? Mm. Is it the number of followers or is it something else, something different? And <laughs> there was this pastor one time, and I heard him speak. He said that, you know, he was, you know, feeling good about himself at one point and, you know, was referring to himself as like a minor Christian celebrity. And he was saying a lot of this in jest. And but unfortunately, I think that's kind of become like a real thing in Christendom. Mm. Um, and the reality is, and I mean, I hate to say this, but the reality is there are people and it's like in the Christian world, ministers in the Christian world. And they are they gauge themselves by what tier they are in 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 like celebrity status compared to other Christians. There's tiers. Apparently, there's tiers, brother. Who who made the tiers? <laughs> it's all based on the number of followers. Some guy just decided he was number one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, Here's exactly. your new tier system. Right, right. You pass it out to everybody. Exactly. No, but it has to do with they're tracking. You know how many likes and how many or how many followers you know do I have. Compared to this other minister over here. And it's like, oh, well, I'm not quite as big a celebrity as them, but I'm getting pretty big as a celebrity in my maybe own little world or sphere. And the fact that there's even those kind of conversations happening among ministers and pastors mm-hmm. in, in the Christian world just blows my mind. Okay. I want to kind of like take this in a little bit of a different direction. Okay. Okay. So when you're stuff is on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Literally the next post could be porn. Okay. Right? Sure. When I'm scrolling through stuff. Sure. Or what you would consider porn. Right. Should there be a Christian only Facebook where you put this stuff 
And how do you feel about your church service being on next to stuff like that and your members potentially getting to the end of your video and it automatically going to the next thing, which is something that you don't want them. You wouldn't, you would rather them not see. Right. How do you, how do you justify all that? Like, yeah. Is that something that you ever think about? Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. It's a really good question. As far as like having like, like Christians having their own, you know, kind of Facebook world or whatever. That was a hard one for me because it's kind of like, in some ways, I'm kind of like, Facebook is what it is. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, that's where everybody's at. So why waste time creating another Christian version of it? Um, and and so... I'm not saying necessarily do that. Right. I just want to know the... The thought process. The thought process. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know if I'm saying we need to do that. And, and then, you know, as far as, like, the fact that they can see other things on Facebook, you know, let's say right after our video or whatever... I mean, our our video is a, is within the context of you know like you're talking about the videos like so like our videos aren't on reels they're not just popping one after the other right I understand there's always the risk of seeing something on Facebook that you wish you hadn't seen we've all been there done that got the t-shirts like you know we all have seen things and you're like oh that's there wow that's not something I would have chosen to look at right. But at the same time, it's, I mean, we are living in this world, so not everything is just sanitized around us. I see what you're saying. Like, just the act of getting on Facebook. Right. Or being is, on television or 50 being on years television ago, or when the next being on Instagram or YouTube, yeah. whatever, right? Regardless of the outlet, like, being on any of those things inherently bring a risk. Okay. Because you're engaging in a communication outlet that you're not in control of. Right. We can select all our little options and everything else. But the reality is we can't control everything that's going to pop up on our screens. And so I understand there's the inherent risk of it. And so I guess, you know, it's like anything. You're asking people who are using these things, these tools, these, you know, social media platforms to use them with with wisdom and discretion. Mm -hmm. And you just have to trust that they're going to do that. Okay, so looking at the the history of the country as a whole, mm-hmm. when the country starts out Christian, mm-hmm. then all of these mass communication industry things mm-hmm. end up not favoring that. What mm-hmm. happened? That as- like, why are we the terrible side of it instead of the good side when the the country started that way? Okay, how did we end up in this? By this- terrible side, you mean like the terrible content side or the Con- terrible terrible content terrible production value okay. well, how did we end up in this corner instead of being the people that ran it all boy that's a big question you know i think the reality is is that what we see on tv or what we internet social media platforms in my, in my mind a lot of times are are reflections of where our culture already is and so in other words Yes, did our country start out with with largely a Christian worldview, even if everybody wasn't a Christian, sure. But then you see that begin to deteriorate and you know, through into the and, you know, so we get into the nineteen hundreds and then we have the rise of kind of postmodernism and let me say this. One of the things that I think we have to be honest about is that as our as a landscape changed, what was what's been on TV changed, right? So when you're talking about like the older westerns or the Andy Griffith show or whatever, right? There's a lot of reflection of those values. Okay, but I do think that as our culture has continued to shift, what we're seeing on TV oftentimes is a reflection of that. Though I will say, and this is. And this is now we're kind of getting into sociology a little bit with this. But the reality is, too, the individuals that have the that have the power that are running enterprises and industries and not just the TV stations, but the the larger content of those and all the marketing, everything else. Those individuals are coming from a place of academia 
where in, in the academic world, the culture, academia is always ahead of where greater culture is in terms of the of where it's moving. Okay. okay? So in ivory towers, college, college in, in college and universities, they're always, they're always a little bit ahead. Okay. Okay. So for example, when we were talking about critical theory and critical race theory, and it all of a sudden comes like a, it seems like it's just coming out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 been in universities for thirty years mm-hmm. before it finally makes it out to the masses, if mm-hmm. you want to put it that way. And so, in really forty years, before it really really starts making it out to the masses, and just using that as one example, and I think we see a lot of that in culture, where you've got academia that is that begins to push an agenda and by the nature of academia it becomes more liberal. So because of its more liberal nature, the individuals that are graduating from those universities are being formed and developed within that worldview. Mm-hmm. That is not a Christian worldview, okay? And so whether it's a modern worldview or a postmodern worldview or a critical theory worldview, that that's being shifted and changed. And then what follows from that is media, because the individuals graduating from those universities are now hired in positions of power and authority within media outlets. And so it's like a domino effect. And so, yes, culture culture is shifting and culture is moving, but academia and in universities, universities and media begin. They're they're a little. That's what I'm saying. They're a little bit ahead of it, okay. of where it, cultural as a mass is. And so, but if you were to go into those universities, if you were to go into those media um, stations and have discussions and boardrooms, and you already see mm. worldviews that are different than what you'll see on ground, you know, root level. And so I, I do think the question of why, why did we end up on, as Christians on kind of once, I think a lot of it is because universities went away, right? Because even the universities that we're talking about, like the Harvards, the Yales, the Dukes, you know, the, the big Ivy League schools, almost every, the Emory's, almost every one of them were Christian universities at one time. Mm. And, have, and, and a lot of them still have divinity schools in them. And so they, they've moved away from a Christian worldview. And I think with that follows media. And then I think eventually follows a lot of our culture. I went to film school. Right. And grew up while the internet was growing. Okay. When I was in elementary school, the teachers were all saying, hey, when you go do research, do not use the internet. I was in Christian elementary school also. Mm-hmm. Do not use the internet. It's wrong because anybody can put anything on there. Mm-hmm. And also it's full of pedophiles and you're going to get raped. Okay. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> and, and that's what the internet was. Okay. And I was being told, stay away from this entire new world connecting thing mm-hmm. that nobody understands the possibilities of yet. Mm-hmm. And completely stay away from it and don't use it. Gotcha. And I th- I think that every time a new thing comes out that is technology or whatever, mm-hmm. the the entire not the entirety but the common conception from the Christian people is if it's new it's bad, hmm. and let us tell you why it's bad. And so any new thing that came out on the internet, it was always pedophiles forever and now we get in cars with strangers (laughs) and let them (laughs) also let them bring us our food right and that's just normal right and you don't hear stories of people getting poisoned every day right sure (laughs) and and turns out getting in a stranger's car is the world now and it's not that terrible because and it's all through the internet Right. And that's what we were scared of. And so I think mm. I think Christians made children 
growing up in this new thing, and I pro- it sounds like they've been doing it forever mm. because now chat GPT is out, and all anyone's doing is pointing out how you can get woke answers in it mm. or you can get wrong answers or it's not telling you that Jesus was real or whatever. Right. Instead of, hey, so this thing's going to be wrong because it was made by sinners mm-hmm. on these important things. So don't ask it that, <laughs> little sure. Johnny. Ask right. me those questions and I'll tell you the right answer and show you why it's right. Mm. But everything else use it as a tool like right. why do we what is the thought process of why i was told that in christian elementary school and why is why does the christian whole look at every new thing and say that is only going to be used for evil stay away from it which causes people to not go near it and therefore Christians aren't the ones creating the next thing because they didn't use the last thing and gotcha. build on it. Gotcha. So it it just seems to me like we always get pushed behind and that in television and then to the internet and to social media, we are playing catch up and never actually like Christians are right. playing catch up and never actually play catch up or never and never actually catch up. And so we're not the ones running these things. Gotcha. And we're the ones in the corner with terrible production values trying to figure out how to make it work after the fact. Yeah. And we're not caught up with the current music trends or the current filming trends or anything because (laughs) when film started, when, you know, motion pictures started, Mm -hmm. it was like, well, they used it for porn. So I guess we're going to tell everyone to stay away from it and not Mm -hmm. get involved. And like, that's all it's ever going to be used for. And we're not capable of mm. thinking of the possibilities that the internet right. comes out and we don't all go, Hey, we can type one thing one time and reach everyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Literally everybody. And right. instead of telling everybody to be afraid of it because we might get pedophiled. Right. No, I mean, that's a good point. And I, it's interesting. You're talking about it because you know, number one, I didn't grow up in a Christian household that was like that. So I, I have no bearing for that. Yeah, of, literally of, when I was in elementary school, they yeah. said, don't use the internet ever. Mm. And by the time I was in college, you weren't allowed to use books. <laughs> right. You had to use peer-reviewed sources on the internet. Yeah, right. Over the course of 15 years. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, I get it. I get it. And... And, you know, it's interesting because, like, as a parent now, that's the that's what I'm trying to do navigate with my kids. It's like, yes, you don't want them to see certain things, to have protections, right? But then at the same time, you want them to be able to be – like, so, all right, so one of my kids, for example, has really gotten big into video and editing video – like, making videos, editing videos, mm-hmm. writing scripts, all that, Right. I could be the, I guess, the kind of what you're talking about, the Christian parent that would be like, oh, just stay away from all that because that's just going to lead to bad things. You're going to end up in porn. Right. (laughs) That sounds like what you were just hearing all the time. (laughs) And so for me, I've taken it as, okay, we're going to get him a good computer. We're going to get him software that he needs. We're going to get him the stuff. You know, I say we're going to get him like he's actually worked hard and bought some of the stuff himself. And but we're helping him with it. But at the same time, all right, we're going to make sure there's you know proper accountability software and that kind of stuff on his devices. But then we want to encourage him to explore that craft to get better at it. And so it's just interesting hearing you talk about that perspective growing up because you know now that you're saying that it's like man, oh man. Well, if it's coming from both sides, we as Christians are completely screwed. And so, in other words, if it's coming from academia and the higher ups in established networks and 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 forms of communication, and it's coming from parents overly sheltering their kids, we got no chance. I'm not saying it's necessarily just parents over sheltering their kids, but right. just like the common consensus was, 
That's at least that's how I perceived it as a child. Gotcha. Not just from my parents, but right, but right. Because I was in school, right, and that's what they were saying too, right. Like just don't go near it, don't touch it, right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's got to be that 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 way of being able to communicate and to raise up, like to celebrate the fact the fact that people want to go into. The film industry, like I've heard the same things, even in regards to like a whole nother field of like science, for example, right? Like it was like Christians for so long were terrified that if their kids, you know, went to college and studied biology or chemistry or physics or whatever, they'd become an atheist. Like it was almost like that was going to be the end result. Right. And that's crazy because same thing, we, we let go of a whole field of study. Right. Um, as a, we as a Christians let go of a whole field mm-hmm. of study. And so I, that was the thing then. Right. You're talking about late nineties, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it was creation versus evolution. evolution. Everybody was doing that. Right. And and don't go study science. Right. Even though science was was created by <laughs> you know, the field of science, science was created, created by, by Christians. Christians to prove God's existence Since, in the beginning. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> Like it's, I know, I know. So I think we're trying to get into like a a whole nother subject at this point, right? <laughs> of of just how how do we as Christians navigate and getting it back to communications and the tools of communication? How do we do that? And I think we carefully have to we we have to be wise, right? I think somewhere along the way we lost the ability to be wise in these fields. Like I can. I can be wise in how I use the internet. I can be wise in how I use a platform without it just corrupting my very soul. So I think th- there's some sense of how do we use wisdom to raise up a generation to be able to engage with what's presently happening in the world of technology and in communication and what will be in the future, right? Because one of the things we have to acknowledge too is communication has, and you know this as a film major, communication has so rapidly changed mm-hmm. in the last, you know, 150 years, right? We, we went from almost no form of communication outside of a written form, right. and now it's just exploded, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can't even hardly keep the pace up. You know, every time you think you've got, oh, well, this is the new tool, the new form of communication, something else pops up. Right. And it's just moving so rapidly. I mean, I, so I see what you're saying. Okay, so if we somehow as Christians did not engage in, if we somehow did not get in, if you want to put it that way, when a lot of this was coming out, we've got to have young people now that are getting in as they're growing up with wherever it is and encouraging them to be the next Bill Gates, right? right. I mean, that's you, you've got to, we've got to encourage our young people to engage because these kind of forms, these platforms, like you said, they could be used for so much good. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a in a globally connected world, right? You know, because we're not like. We're not talking about just things that are being produced in America for America at this point. You know, I mean, how often, I mean, I know for me, I mean, almost on a daily basis, I'm engaging with someone from another country Mm -hmm. just because of my relationships and, and my ministry networks and stuff like, but I'm engaging with almost on a daily basis with someone from another country. That's, that is the connected world we live in. Cause this is what I think about. Yeah. When the printing press came out, they, Made the Bible first. Yeah. Literally. Re- correct. And nobody was standing there going, oh, we're going to send dirty texts to each other and dirty letters and don't use that printing press because the the letters have been charged by demons to only <laughs> right. stamp down, <laughs> you know, horrible things to, right. to talk about. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like nobody did that. I mean, maybe there was people that did it, but the whoever was deciding what was going to get printed went, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm going to print the Bible. <laughs> right. Like, so how did we like, it just doesn't make sense. Why, why every time something new comes out, Christians 
only look at how it can be used for evil instead mm-hmm. of thinking about how it could be used for good. Yeah, well, I don't know if all Christians think that way, though, right? I don't think it's all of them, but that seems like the... I mean, that's the trajectory at this point. Yeah. And, you know, one of the questions that I'd be, I'd be fascinated to, to know, I don't know, I wonder how... I wonder how this is perceived in other countries. Yeah, I wonder also. Right? So, like, I partner with a ministry in a South American country, and they actually run their own TV station. Okay. And and so, and they're fully engaged in that world. Um, and, in fact, one of them is one of the most well-known radio voices in the country. Right, but what do they think about what's coming out of America? Yeah, Probably they probably think it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, probably. You talking about content yeah. wise? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. It was a a good time to be talking about this because a new thing came out, which was Chet GPT. Okay. And instead of the answer, like instead of when you ask it, does God exist? It goes, well, there's much debate about this and here's the different sides and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't just go. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> like, like why, why have it, has it gotten to the point where now the next mass communication thing that everyone's going to be using and we're all, and everyone's going, how is this going to shape the world hmm. when you can tell a thing something and it gives you an entire response and it, it will write whatever it wants for you for you. Mm. Why is the the people behind it making sure that the answers <laughs> are yeah. a certain way instead of it being Christians behind it making the answers that way? You know, how do we get to a a point where things are that way? And why are we shoved in a corner over here in mass communication so a question though yeah if this new platform yeah if it was giving christian answers yeah would it be still accepted as the new legitimate platform no all right and is that not some of the inherent problem too what do you mean that in other words like let's say christians are making certain things or doing certain things would they even be would their technology platforms even be embraced? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But you just told me that in the case of this one, that if it was giving, let's say, Jesus answers, no, it wouldn't be accepted. I'm saying that I think the other side would go, well, don't listen to the Jesus stuff on there, but let's use it for our advantage. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Because that's what I think Christians are not going to fully do on our side because they're afraid of the wrong answers. So according to that. Right. So do you think like, so Jesus puts it this way. He says, you know, you're in the world, but don't be of the world. Right. Right. Jesus says that. Do you think that a lot of Christians then take that as I need to stay away from everything that I perceive as being, quote-unquote, of the world. Yes. Like, I'm living here, but I'm going to stay away from everything that is perceived as being, quote-unquote, of the world. Yes. Okay. And is that part of the—I guess what you're saying is that is to our detriment. Yes. That we have taken that language and that perspective to this extreme. Mm-hmm. I fully think that. Gotcha. Based yeah. on my experience. Yeah. Is. I gotcha. Yeah, I think so, too. I think we're too afraid. I do, too. Okay. Yeah. I think we're too... This is what I tell people sometimes. I think Christians are too afraid of sin. I Yes. And and that sounds like horrible from a pastor saying that, like, you should hate sin. No, you can hate it. Yeah. Right? No, I'm hating it. I'm hating that anything that disrupts, you know, relationship between an individual in God or individuals in, in another individual or individual in self or individual in creation. Like I hate all of that sin corrupts and just distorts in those things. But I'm not like when someone comes to me, this is what I say to people all the time. Like if someone comes to me and they start, they're, they're, they're confessing their, their own struggle with a sin, right? Mm. That sin they're talking to me about doesn't scare me. Right. Like, but I know other people that would be like, almost like, don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, no, they've 
need to talk about it because it's the only way they're going to overcome it. But I think in the same way, we can kind of go to too far of an extreme and say, no, don't touch that. Mm. And what we're really saying is don't touch that, you might sin. Mm -hmm. You don't touch that, it might be a quote-unquote open door. Mm. And instead of having enough trust, I mean, I guess I'm going, man, is our faith that shaky? Mm -hmm. Is our faith that puny and tiny that we don't even have confidence in in other believers or in ourselves? And and obviously, everyone has to know their own Mm -hmm. limits and what they can or cannot take. But man, we've got to have we, we our faith has to be bigger than that. And to your question earlier, going back to printing press, right? They made the Bible, but then also the Quran gets printed, and the Kama Sutra gets printed, and everything yeah. else gets printed. So they sure, yeah. If we come, if we are the ones creating the new mass communication thing, eventually it gets used by them, right? So, but it doesn't mean that it's caused it to be so corrupted that we need to run away from the whole thing. Right. Yeah. So in other words, like in yours, your example there, right? We didn't start, stop reading physical Bibles because other things were being made with a printing press. Right. Yeah. Not a good point. This has been the one I heard this podcast. You can follow us and listen to the show and watch the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Rumble. You can follow us on social media at Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast. And you can follow me on social media at Nate Robinsoff and Joseph on social media at Rev Joe T. Also go to our Patreon. It is $5. If you want to send us some money and support what we're doing, this has been the When I Heard This Podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.